four. We got some good momentum rolling. I think last week was pretty good, and we can kind of you know piggyback on that, keep it up. I've I've got nothing but positive feedback, so I'm super excited. It was just one of those things where like uh, people people love it so much. You're like, why in the hell did we not do this sooner? You know yeah, what I mean? so. yeah, I agree. Now I'm I'm spreading the word, word of mouth. I'm telling people online, so we're definitely getting more and more listeners each and every time. I love it. I can't wait to to say wow, we're a hundred episodes in. Yeah, that's nice. That's a good uh, milestone right there. So, dude, what are we talking about today? Uh, scaling. Scaling what it is, you know, how we do it, how we implement it through our programming, um, the type of athletes we want to scale uh, in regards to going a little bit backtracking or, you know, progress. Yeah. You know, we were just talking about this. What's, what's interesting in the CrossFit community is when someone talks about scaling 90% of the time they're talking about regressing a movement. They're trying to make it a little bit more adaptable and inclusive for somebody else. But really a scale is a continuum. Like it's it's infinitely modifiable to make something easier. Or it's infinitely modifiable to make something harder. Like the idea, there's really no such thing as RX because if, you know, 10 years ago the RX number for snatch was 135 now the RX number is 225, and then 10 years from now it's going to be 300. And so these levels are constantly growing upward, but what, what was interesting is we're saying we're constantly regressing it. Like our master's program is a, is a regression that we've developed to say even some of those common scales don't work for our master's, so we just scaled it a little bit more. Yeah, that's a good point because, you know, when you first initially see something scaling, you're, you're thinking something easier, you know, not something not as difficult it's a lesser extent of something. Well, in reality, like you just said, it's, it's one scale. It's one line. You can go either you know farther past the line, a little bit harder, okay, or something back, scale version, something a little easier. Yeah, and that's, I think, the, the art of the coach is to find, you know, the challenge in that athlete for that day, for that movement, at that rep scheme, at that speed, at that intensity, at that quality of that movement selection to be able to uh, find what's going to challenge them but not hurt them. Yeah, and that's a good segue to get into the baseline we kind of talked about earlier. You know, it's up to the coach to find a baseline of, you know, movement, you know, whether what the capabilities are of that specific athlete and to where they stand. And the majority of athletes, we have to set a baseline as coaches to say, hey, this is the baseline, this is where you got to be to do this or that. That's a really good point. So uh, let's use like some of the baselines we teach our coaches or some of the stuff we've seen through experience. Uh, uh, let's see, what's a common headache move? Handstand, good example. So uh, we don't just jump somebody into a handstand and say, okay, let's start doing handstand push-ups, right? Yeah, if they've never been upside down in their lives, why are you going to say, hey, kick up, do you know 10 handstand push-ups? Doesn't make sense. Right, so we said, hey, we want everyone as their first set to go through our baseline strength, which would be let's kick yourself upside down and hold that with ease for 30 seconds to 60 seconds, right? Yeah. One of my go-tos is kind of like a wall walk. You know, you can start up top of a push-up position on the floor, then walk the feet up trying to get as close as you can to that wall. I feel like that's, you know, that'll develop more confidence for them. If someone's never kicked up before, that might be even, you know, too um, ahead of the game, in my opinion. 
Yeah, no, I like it. It's it's because you take out the other uh, variable there was just kicking up. Let's just see if they can hold themselves there for 30 seconds upside down. I like that. I like that a lot. So that could be our baseline. Like if, if an athlete does that, doesn't break a sweat, they stand up, they didn't look taxed or challenged at all, then it's an easy segue to, okay, now we're going to show you how to kick up. And then you're going to hold that for 30 seconds. And so it just kind of helps increase that ability without the risk of injuring themselves. Yeah, and what are we doing here? We're, we're going up the scale. We're going up the scale. Um, you know, the next part after holding that 30-second handstand is moving into some push-ups, maybe two ab mats, maybe one ab mat. You know, we're just progressively working up the scale. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just getting harder and harder. And then you know, the one ab mat, one plate is not the RX, right? Like there's parallettes, there's I've negatives, seen negatives, there's weighted parallettes, mm -hmm. there's like something else will come even harder than that. We don't know what it is. We haven't seen it, but it will come because that that's what this program does. It is constantly raising the bar for these types of movements. Yeah, and it, it's a good point. It makes sense. You know, uh, it's all pointing back towards the fact that CrossFit is for every person out there, not even depending on your ability you know it's for the less advanced athletes and then the most utmost games athletes there's always ways to go up and down the scale on uh, based on your ability and and for me the trait of a really good quality coach is someone who could take the program the workout of the day and make it seamless for everybody even though someone everyone is being scaled either harder or easier but it still looks like one smooth workout like it's not like this complete separate entity of 10 different things going on yeah we're trying to produce that same stimulus for every type of athlete and give them the equal amount of intensity throughout the board whether you know you can um really push them heavy weight you can move super super fast or you're fairly new you know you'll still get the same intensity as everyone else in the class based on the scaling option yeah and that that term we use in crossfit is being able to preserve the stimulus right we don't want to make it too easy and we don't want to make it too hard there there is a uh, expectation we have for each workout there's a goal that we set as coaches when we develop workouts they are not random they are clear they have clear objectives and this is what we're looking for and the modification the scale to that has to preserve that stimulus because otherwise it actually turns out into a different workout because though the movements are the same the rep schemes are quite similar because they might be taking more breaks because maybe they might end up going too faster than they're supposed to they change the entire stimulus around yeah and it's up to the coach to relay that info on hey this is why we drew that up we're trying to get our athletes in the our minds of coaching when we drew that up when we programmed that specific workout and why we're doing that's that. such a good point man uh because it's not just numbers like it's not like okay here's what we're doing today it's this reps and this movement no we go into the detail of why it was developed what our purpose and goal is because it helps them attach to it a little bit more or not be so surprised when that thing starts to hit them in the face they knew that was coming because that was something we presented way before it actually happened yeah, that's why we talk about strategy all the time hey this is why we're doing it this is what it's going to feel like you know let's get to work what what so when we're scaling as a coach what are like what would it be our like our five main things we're looking for when we're trying to when we have to scale an athlete make it easier or harder what things do we do so like um someone can't do a deadlift at 225 how do we the technique is awful the, the RX weight's 225, they clearly can't handle it. How are we scaling something like that? 
Well, first off and foremost, the most important aspect is uh, safety. Let's keep it safe. You know, if you got some uh, too much weight on there, we got to scale something back. So in regards to that, what you want to do is you want to strip off a little bit of weight. Say, hey, let's start out with an empty barbell or even something, you know, close to that. Say, hey, let's clean this up a little bit. So the way to scale that would be to decrease the load on the barbell. Yeah, for sure. I think that's immediately and obvious because it's just the weight. And and if you struggle to present that or communicate to the athlete, I would question your your relationship with the athlete. Because a lot of times we say the hardest thing to do uh, to teach our coaches is how to communicate. Like our coaches know how to coach. They know movement quality. They know what to look for. They know what to teach correct. Uh, but it's, sometimes it's how we present that to somebody because the, the fact, the outcome that we're both looking for is the same, but how you present that to an individual can either inspire them or make them hate you in the process. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Communication is a skill you have to constantly work to develop because we're dealing with multiple personalities every single mm-hmm. day. You know, we, Our class is averaging between 8 to 12 people per class. you got 8 to 12 people, different personalities, and it takes good quality coaching to, like you said, communicate on the change of movement. Uh, you know, most of the time without offending them. Because mm-hmm. some, some people, you know, they got the big egos. They, you know, no, I can do this. You know, I can lift this weight. But, you know, it takes a good coach to communicate that. Hey, you know what? You're, you're strong enough to do it, but let's, uh, let's take back a little bit of weight so we can, you know, keep it safe, keep it moving well, uh, making that a priority. And that's why we're constantly assessing, like, the coachability of our members. Like, because if they're not coachable, then really they're not, they're not able to take what we're trying to help them with so why, why be there, right? Like you pay so much money to work out there. We want to make sure that you're remaining coachable because if you're not, then stop paying all that money that, to keep working out. That's so huge, man. That's so huge. Um, I feel like that's the most important component on looking for new prospects to join our gym is, you know, the coachability. It makes our jobs easier. It makes the environment so much more fun. You know, it's, it makes this whole fitness thing worthwhile. Yeah, my my favorite line that I use is everyone's right for CrossFit, but just not everyone's right for our CrossFit gym. And that's really like that. really important because it, it has to fit they have to fit your culture and your and your personality. They might they might be a great athlete, but they just not might not follow what we're trying to produce. So it's that's a really good point, man. What what are some other things we do to modify? Uh, we can go movement selection. Okay. Um, so if we got a newcomer in the gym and, you know, the programming calls for a, maybe a, a clean, okay. A clean is uh, starting from the floor, jumping and landing in a front squat. Now we could kind of shorten the distance, shorten the range of motion mm-hmm. on that. Uh, maybe start from the hang. That's a good one we like to go to. Yeah. So that's shortening the range of motion. Um, or, you know, if they're completely off, they're not even looking great from the floor, we can say, hey, you know what, we're going to deadlift today. We're going to make that deadlift look very, very pretty, you know, nice flat back. Um, instead of cleans today, we're going to go straight to the deadlift. We're going to get you moving well. We're going to go back to the basics. Yeah. For me, I look at it as like, okay, here's the whole movement. They're not getting that movement. So if I could chunk those that movement down into parts, which part can I give them today that's going to have the greatest possibility to improve all these other issues they might have? So the clean is a great one because when you're in the clean, your back is already flat. If they can't get that concept when they're trying to pull it from the ground, that's an easy way to flatten their back but still keep the speed, right? Preserve that stimulus we were talking about earlier. Um, so 
for me, it's as a teacher, as a former teacher, like, okay, here's the big concept, big power clean, squat clean, we're going to move to jerk one day, yeah. but we don't present that like that, right? We're going to break it up to its parts, I'm going to see where they're a little iffy, and I'm just going to give them that as their skill of the day kind of thing I like to that. work through. Yeah, I like that, and you're also setting that up for a progression to give them something new next time around that's kind of piggybacking off that, what you gave them, um, you know, next time around is going to be that next step. Okay, to get them closer to the movement that was originally assigned. Right, the hang power clean is not the end-all, be-all. They know, hey, that looks great today. Let's just stay there today and get that down perfect. And so that's that kind of like, okay, now coach sees that I'm doing this better. That helps them build confidence, but they know where they're heading with that movement. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so I got another one for you. Say we got an athlete, uh, we're in our conditioning piece, okay? He um, threw too much weight on the bar, okay, and there was a prescribed uh, amount of reps. Say we got 20, 30 reps, okay? And he's got the weight. The weight looks good. He's just going a little too slow. Um, what are some options we could do for that? So when we go like the core of our thought when we modify is if it's if it's not causing them pain, then we have to do our very best to modify scale to make sure we preserve the stimulus. So with that athlete, the either their quality of movement is not there the speed is too fast, the weight is too heavy, or there's just too much rep. So that case, it's probably like, okay, it's 20 deadlifts. What did you say it was? Yeah, about 20, 30 reps, 20 to 30 reps. Um, they're, you know, they're doing five to 10. It's looking real good. Okay. And then they start to lose it on the 15, on the 20. Boom. So for them, we know that stamina piece at that pulling at that pulling weight is not there, but they're strong enough to maintain some of that volume, right? But at 10, they start breaking up in sets of two until they get to 20. That was not the goal, right? The coach had initiated this strategy to be attacked at five reps at a time with a three second pause for breath and adjustment of technique. For them, it's just too much reps. So, uh, you know, the problem is, is when the clock is going, it doesn't stop for anybody. Mm -hmm. So we have to be quick to be able to preserve that stimulus because if you stop them too much, you're just killing the stimulus. So for an interval like that, I just cut the reps immediately. I'd say, hey, listen, it's good at 10, but you're losing it at 13. Let's stop and really control 10 clean reps today and then move on. Let's let that be your rep scheme today. Yeah, I like it. So basically just cutting down the volume, cutting down the volume immediately immediately because they showed ability and then they lost ability through uh through uh through speed yeah cool uh so yeah that's covering most of the um the ways to scale now we do a good job we set up our gym uh programming on three tiers um tracking you want to kind of go into more detail about that dude yeah for sure this is something that i think is really unique i know we're uh you know we're ahead of the curve with this and what we found is like just setting up one general workout and trying to work miracles for everyone to fit that workout. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It was really difficult and, you know, it, it really caused a lot of headaches for them because they always felt like they were modifying. They were actually scaling backwards and making everything easier. Or we weren't challenging some of our best athletes because we were creating one workout to try to fit the entire uh, group class. So some people just weren't feeling challenged. So when we created the tracking, what we knew is that there was about 70% of people that moved almost identically around the same load and same movement selection, quality of movement, speed. But there were some people that- A baseline. Just, 
Yeah, that's a baseline. great point. That was that 70% is our baseline abilities. Mm-hmm. But there was about 15% of our community that were really advanced, great athletes, natural abilities, or former athletes that were ahead of the curve. And so the weights weren't heavy enough for some of them, or the uh, rep schemes or the movement weren't ta- uh, challenging enough to really raise the level of their fitness. But that there were some that it, all the movements that we put up that day were impossible for them. And so we had to scale everything back for them. And so they just never felt like they were getting better because they're just like, hey, there's a modified person in the corner doing all that stuff. So so we took that kind of bell-shaped mentality where 15% of those we would identify as our health track. And these people, they had, you know, I wouldn't say easier, more of an entry-level selection of exercises with much more doable weights, right? So they're fairly new, fairly new, and the abilities aren't as high as they we would like them to be. Fairly new or a little bit older, but and have uh, no capacity to even move through some of our... Sorry about that. I better, I better get that soon. Uh, <laughs> who will just never be able to move to those loads. Like, if she's 60 years old, she is not doing kipping handstand push-ups. I don't care who it is like that's not her general pop like that's not what her goal is her health is a health track she's looking to feel better and look better um but that's where those health people fall okay and then the one above that is the fitness and that's where we believe is around 70 percent uh when we program these workouts we set up assuming majority of the class 70 percent of class is going to fit right in this um fitness tier and we you know draw up the weights the movements um as a baseline around this fitness tier and then um yeah that's where we're going with that yeah and so for coaches it makes our job easier when we're programming because we're saying hey this workout has to meet the need of 70 percent of our population and if it doesn't then something's not right because we still have to make that more challenging for our top 15%, which we're calling our performance track. And we have to make it slightly more doable for our health track. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Health, fitness, and performance. And majority of the people will be right around that fitness category. And the goal is through our program to try to bump them up every single time, get the health towards the fitness, get the fitness towards the performance, and we're constantly trying to get better and better, moving them up yeah, to that next tier. It creates a feeling. It creates a journey for those people that know they can be there. They're just not there yet. And it also helps them appreciate the process instead of like, I, I'm i brand new. I used to be an athlete, but I haven't worked out in two years and I'm 30 pounds overweight. That We want to get them through that journey to say, hey, listen, I know you can get here one day. We just can't get you here now because it's going to uh, – create some issues down the road you're gonna get yourself injured you're gonna move through those weights too fast so it's an easy conversation piece you know what it's done for the athlete it's helped our our time be more efficient in group class because I don't have to take 12 people and tell them how to modify like they know what track they fall in so they're already ahead of it right so when I say hey let's warm up the handstands if they're in the health track they know they're gonna hold that position upside down that day our our fitness track is gonna move through five rep schemes of handstand push-ups and her performance track will move through maybe a deeper deficit or more reps, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a team effort. You know, it's up to athletes to have that awareness where they stand. You know, they come in, we're going over the workouts during group class. They're saying, hey, you know, if health is doing that, fitness is doing that, they know where they stand. So they know what they're working. It's 
it's you know saving us time. It's so cool. We got um four types of athletes. You want to go over that? We got you know like I said, we're going back to dealing with uh, different type of people, different type of personalities every single day, and we can use the scalable options on whether we're um, going up the scale or down the scale depending on what type of athlete we got. So we got the four types. We got the newbie, the new person that's fairly new in the CrossFit, the highly competitive one, big time competitor. We got the over ambitious, and then we got the injured athlete and ways we can scale and get them moving um, best as possible. Yeah, and every single one of them has a really unique personality trait as well that's attached to that and so we're not just working about their physical capacity but it's learning how to uh, understand like to categorize these athletes so we can better communicate with these athletes what's happening right yeah we got uh, basically a similar idea and game plan towards each and every one of these athletes you know um, I've, if we want to start out with the newbie athlete that per that uh, person what we'll do is We'll try to keep it simple. Keep it simple. Um, don't overwhelm them. You know what I'm saying? Um, try to address, you know, the point of the workout, the point of the film we're trying to get. But we're not trying to overcomplicate things. Yeah, we would say, hey, this is the, uh, the conversation there is this is our baseline strength we want to develop first. So that's an easy combo with them because they see all these really cool exercises, but really we're saying, hey, the foundation to those really cool exercises are right here. And this is where we want you at right now to you to you can get a little bit more experience, feel a little bit more comfortable. So they respect that because they, they understand that we're protecting them, but they can kind of see that progression over time as well. So that's what we're trying to teach the newbie athlete. I think one of the struggles for them is maybe sometimes they're too apprehensive, right? So the, the, the art of the coach is to say, even though they're new, we know they're a little bit stronger than the loads that they're taking or the this movement selection, like uh, great example, newbie athletes really scared to jump on a box. They're super yeah. athletic, but they don't want to jump on a 20-inch box, so they decide to go to the one green box. And we know they have more ability, so we have to develop some, uh, some encouraging words, some some things that we can get them to challenge them to go to two to three boxes because otherwise they're just they're, they're always going to stay on that one box yeah i noticed that a lot you know they're fairly athletic they played sports when they were younger they move well they're strong but they're like hey you know what? It's only my first week i kind of want to take it a little easier i'm like hey man listen i see how you're moving you're looking good you're looking strong man let's, let's throw a little bit of weight on there you know as long as your movement's on point it feels good it looks good get some weight on there we're trying to get stronger you don't know what you don't know, right? And so I might as well test that during uh, no intensity before you try to do that miraculously during intensity. Yeah. So moving on to the next type of athlete, we got highly competitive. You know, and there's there's numerous ways this kind of gets um, brought out into the gym. You'll, you'll see it. The number one priority is to get first place in that class, you know, regardless of getting stronger, moving better, as long as they're getting first place, that's on the top of priorities list. And we got to kind of adjust that. We have to scale that to uh, to get them closer to the stimulus while we drew up the workout. Yeah, I mean, I think personality-wise, these are some of the most difficult conversations. They are, because they'll miss a lift, it doesn't feel that good, and then, you know, they'll start kind of um, getting down on themselves. And, you know, it's just kind of sometimes negative energy we got to you try to deal with and uh and and boost them up a little bit yeah communication uh is, is paramount here because especially under uh, a running clock 
when they get that uh, that anxiety because they can't get the lift or they start pulling it and it looks like they're they're pulling the deadlift from the ground and their spine's gonna rip like we have to because they took what they took on a heavier load than than they then we knew that they can manage right uh, those are those are things we want to see and get ahead of as coaches way before the clock starts because uh, those are difficult conversations to have during mid workout. Oh, I hear you 100. percent One of my go tos lately have been going back to the board and the prescribed loads. You know, it's taking anything that might be a little personal out of it and say, hey, you know what? I spent all this time drawing this up to do this workout this way. You know, the uh, board says, let's go to this. Let's try to get something, you know, close to that weight, keep you moving well, and get a good workout in. Yeah, the other two that I use really well, one is fear, right? Uh, and then two is, man, like, so fear would be like, hey, so he's a highly, he's a highly competitive athlete, but he hurt his back three weeks ago. So highly competitive athlete, he goes back up to the weight that he thinks he can do, and the technique is not there. I say, hey, Brett, like, listen, man, I know your back is still recovering. You can't pull that deadlift like that today, man. You're going to hurt your back again. That's a good one. I always use fear to instill that because the last thing a highly competitive athlete wants to happen is to injure themselves again. The other one that I use that, um, that works really well is... Dude, you're pulling 225 deadlift with a with a really unideal position. Imagine if you cleaned up your technique a little bit, how much better that would look. Like or not look, excuse me, how much more weight you'll be able to take on because you have better technique. Sure, you're going to take a step back today because you got to refine some stuff, but I guarantee long-term... On the back end, it'll... Bro, you're going to pull 300 pounds in six months because now you're doing it with good posture. You were pulling 225 with unideal posture. Yeah, you're boosting them up, and that comes back to what? Communication, how to communicate it, right? Cool, man, I like that. Uh, moving down the list, we got over-ambitious. Over-ambitious. Yeah, the overambitious, the, the, the thing that I think what happens with them sometimes is that they, they're they so new to the program too that they don't think ahead of the feeling, right? Mm -hmm. So we always tell people to think about how they're going to feel mid-wad because that's really going to direct the type of movement they choose, the type of load that they do it, and the type of speed they do it at. The overambitious, like great example today uh, – we have a max rep burpee. The overambitious athlete is going to start at a pace that is way too fast. That's not sustainable. Because they haven't thought about it. Like, yeah, they're saying, okay, I want to get 30 in two minutes, but they didn't do the math. Like, for you to get 30 in two minutes, right, there's a certain amount of reps you have to hit every 10 seconds to be able to do that, right? And so the concern with them that we want to have is to keep them thinking ahead of it. So, man, that looks really good, but what do you think? It, uh, do you think that rep scheme is going to work or that speed is going to work uh, five minutes into the workout? Yeah, no, there's no way. And then, like I said, it, it comes down to the coach coming you know, down to them saying, hey, this is why we're doing this. This is the kind of stimulus we're going for. So, you know, pay attention towards that. Let's not come out too hot. I'll, I do a pretty good job at talking that on the board, you know. Hey, this is why we're doing this. This is how you want to start. Maybe the rep scheme says 20 reps. Don't go 20 reps straight. You'll be gassed for the rest of the workout. Go two sets of 10, you know, and that's that point is directed towards the overambitious athlete. 
Yeah, so, and I think, you know, just a little humility goes a long way there, but uh, the, the thing with them is just keep building that relationship over time that they're going to get, as they get more experience with workouts and what movements they're better at, which ones they're not so good at, they'll know, like, where those pain points in that workout is going to come, where they're going to really have to strategize a little bit more, and we, we talk about strategy a lot. Yeah, it, it, it's awareness, too. It's awareness on their part. So... Cool man, keeping it rolling. We got uh, the injured athlete, man. This is this is a real you know crucial one here, because last thing you want to do is you know um, athlete that might have gotten injured, you know whether it's inside or outside the gym, but they you know want to stay consistent with their fitness. Um, how we you know the approach to scale them down to keep them moving, keep them getting better, getting healthier. Yeah, I just there's nothing the better feeling for me as a coach when you know someone comes to us injured for whatever reason there's so many reasons why people get injured but they still want to come into group programming and they're asking hey is this workout going to be doable for me i really want to come because you know for these individuals uh at this point the movement doesn't matter anymore we'll completely redirect and reprogram the workout for that individual uh to ensure that we keep them in the community because you know there's some research uh, about the physiological adaptation to injury. If they can just stay moving, like if someone hurt their right arm, they can do stuff with their left arm and it'll see reciprocal uh, benefits. But not, not even that. Like that's not what I'm selling. I'm just selling let's stay moving so you don't get behind and let's stay in the community where you feel the happiest. Yeah, it's, it's the mental aspect at that point. It's keeping them on track towards their goals. You know, they sign up for the gym with a specific goal in mind, if they get injured and they sit on the couch, I don't think they're getting any closer to that goal. The, the goal is to keep them, you know, in a healthy mindset along with, you know, preserving their body, getting better, but keeping them going. If you injure maybe a shoulder or something, you know, come and do some legs. Don't yeah. don't sit on the couch. Don't get discouraged because you're, you know, changes are if you're sitting on the couch, you're going to get, you know, some sort of depression. Like, I wish I was working out, you know. Get back in the gym, you know, hang out with, you know, with the group, get a workout in. There's always something you'll be able to do no matter what's injured. Nothing kills me more than an email that says I have to put my membership on hold because my knee hurts or my shoulder hurts. Like two things need to happen when someone gets injured. One, they need to stay in the community and they need to keep working with us. And two, they need to get legitly diagnosed by a professional. Um, the, the most, uh, uh, interesting thing that I deal with most often is self-diagnosis like people are like I tore my ACL and I'm like okay did you get that checked out, you get that checked out? no I'm guessing no, I'm guessing or I have tendonitis in my shoulder okay uh, did, you get, who, did you get that checked out the majority of the time they never do and so what happens is because you know the best thing that a diagnosis does is it gives you peace of mind that you actually know what happened to you and that allows you to move us in the right direction because we can give you all these amazing protocols because of a if the diagnosis is right that will work but if we are giving you a protocol to misdiagnosis we could be causing more harm to this right like if you tore your hamstring we shouldn't be stretching it but if you come to me and uh, you say, My well, a little tight or it's something a like little that. tight and it's sore. You're going to exasperate the problem. So the biggest mistake individuals make is they don't actually seek 
Like, like I wish I had x-ray vision and I can just look at it and say, that's what happened. But we don't. So if people are really, and that's for me how I know that they're really serious or not about fixing the injury, is if they actually go seek a professional. When you had that issue happen with your back, what was the first thing you did? I was keeping in touch with chiropractors. I uh, went to physical therapists. I, I literally, I did some self-research. I, I kind of approached it at all different aspects, but... Yeah, the first part was going to see a Cairo, going to see a professional. You went to see a specialist because you knew the stuff that you were doing was not working. What's more frustrating than ever is, listen, sometimes this stuff will heal on its own. But if it's been three or four weeks and it has not healed, uh, using our better, worse, or the same uh, protocol, then you need to seek a professional because it's not going to heal itself anymore. Yeah, and then you're eliminating all the guesswork. You know, if you're just guessing you're hurt, that could psych yourself out. Um, it'll it'll kind of keep you at a standstill on any progression because, you know, you're babying this, in, this injury. You know, it's definitely good to get that professional help and, like you said, peace of mind. You know, I feel like uh, injuries, it all comes down to um, the mental aspect of it. Mm. It could be more, you know, degrading on just with that thought in the back of your head, you're not going to reach your full potential because you're kind of dealing with this injury. Well, what what is it? You know, what is it? What's the plan of attack to get better, um, to keep moving forward? Yeah, and I, and I just hope if anyone takes anything out of that point, it's just like the, the moment they hear injury, it should be, okay, uh, let's stay in the community. Let's see if this thing gets better in a couple weeks. And if it doesn't, go seek uh, professional advice. Um, yeah, man. Cool, man. I, I think that's a good spot to wrap it up. We uh, definitely got some good stuff going on today for a quick little recap. You know, uh, basically scaling is kind of pertaining to CrossFit is for everybody, no matter your level of ability, you know, w- no matter what you're dealing with, no matter, you know, where you stand uh, as an athlete, whether you're, either, whether you're fairly new, getting going on fitness, or you're a CrossFit Games athlete, you know, um, the scalability will always you know pertain to your where you stand yeah and the most important part there is as coaches and athletes is the goal is to preserve the stimulus it's not to get the heaviest weight at the fastest time let's preserve the stimulus because that process over time is what makes amazing athletes uh and then too i think a lot of humility come with humility to the gym every day and be ready to be coached be ready to learn uh because we as coaches have the tools to the toolbox right and really all we're doing as coaches is trying to transfer that knowledge yeah and you know you got to keep in mind we have your best interest in mind you know no matter what we're trying to give you the best hour of your day we're trying to get you better as an athlete we're working towards you so whatever we say don't take any offense to it our your best interest is our number one priority that's why we're there, bro. That's why uh, we coach because we want to help other people. Like I, I can work out on my my house if I wanted to. I do it because we want to help other people. We're passionate about it, no doubt, man. Cool. Episode four in the books. I think we're getting better and better, getting more and more positive momentum. So we hope you guys enjoy. You know, stay tuned for the next one. We'll keep uh, dropping some fire. Later, guys. Later. Later.